it's me, your friendly neighborhood Spider Gwen. You'd think that an interdimensional brunch date with my friends Cindy and Jess would be no big deal. Unfortunately, our evil counterparts had other ideas, and, well, things got a little crazy from there. We're outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, and outplanned. It's gonna take three Spider-Women to get out of this one. The Spider event of 2016 is here. Let's catch up with Silk number seven and Spider-Woman number six. It's time for the ultimate spin. Hey there, True Believers, this is Brian, and thank you for downloading episode 30.1 of The Ultimate Spin, the one and only Spider-Man podcast specifically for fans of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. We're kicking off May with our continued coverage of the eight-part Spider-Women crossover event. Sadly, both Kyle and Jack are away this week, but I'm excited to welcome back our guests and friends from SuperiorSpiderTalk.com to talk about Silk number 7 and Spider-Woman number 6. And as always, you can find us at UltimateSpinPodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast, find show notes, catch up with older episodes, and connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. This show is by fans and for fans, meaning that it's your show, and we'd love to hear what you think of these characters and their books. Don't be shy, drop us a line, and join the conversation. And as I mentioned, welcoming back our friends from SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, Tony Goodwin and Jale Najafali. Welcome back, guys. Hey, it's good to be back. Definitely enjoyed the last episode. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. And uh, this will be an interesting episode for us because we are going to talk about the B-books, as it were, for our show, Silk and Spider-Woman, which are not books that we're following on our own. So you guys review these titles respectively for Superior Spider Talk, uh, which is why we wanted to have you help guide us through these two books. So. Part three of the event is Silk number seven. So if you're new to our show, or what we like to do is just kind of give you a quick recap of the story itself so you know what's going on, and then we'll get into the actual discussion. So Tony, is Silk is your book on the site? You want to get us up to speed on what happened in issue number seven? Uh, yeah. Um, in this issue, Cindy splits off from Jess and Gwen to find her Earth-65 uh, counterpart versions of her family. And she finds that things are uh, not as simple as she would have anticipated uh, between her and them. Uh, Having left them cold for a few years, uh, her counterpart has apparently become head of the sinister organization responsible for stranding the Spider-Women in Gwen's reality. So this is picking up from the cliffhanger of the previous book where Silk has discovered who Agent 77 is. And who is that? Well, we're um, along with our guesses. <laughs> That's right. Having read this issue and then um, seeing what I saw in the comic, it, it was not at least made uh, apparent to me exactly who this agent was supposed to be. And so when it was made explicit in the next part, which I don't want to say too much about, I was kind of like, oh, um, so I, I don't know if I missed something, but I do feel like things could have been a bit made a bit more explicit. I I know that Jess has a line about going to kick her own rear end in in this issue, but like, I was just kind of like, um, where is this coming from? I don't know. Did did I, did I miss something or? Uh, no, it was, I, I agree. Like I went back and looked at, you know, where it's that closing shot where she's got agent 77 up on the screen, but it's not, there's no like ID on there. It's just the face. And I think Tony, you'd, speculated that it was Cindy's brother. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I did. I was kind of like, huh? (laughs) And I don't think the art was close enough to Jessica in order for it to be like an easy leap between them. Right. Yeah. um, Of the artists that are rotating on Silk right now, um, I 
I don't like being unkind, but uh, uh, Tana Ford, I, 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 I like the least at this point. She is getting better, and she definitely seems to do a lot better with close-ups and kind of more intimate or introspective scenes. But there are still some issues with faces. There are still some issues with consistency. Her action scenes, while they can be dynamic, also that's where she just runs the risk of kind of losing her connection to the story. And and it really does show in some places. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, other than the quick kind of recap in the beginning of the book, I mean, this does start off with a, a quieter, as you said, introspective scene where she goes to check out her Earth-65 version of her family. And so you do get the, you know, let's talk about the art a little bit in the scene itself where we get some of those close-up shots of the faces and stuff. And Jolly, you were mentioning in the last episode, like you you have no or little to no investment in the whole Cindy drama with her family. Not at all. <laughs> I was so surprised that that happened, this issue. Couldn't see that coming from a mile away. But, you know, I just... <laughs> just don't care i don't i don't know why um i do like silk better now that she's away from peter and everything but i think i'm I'm more of like a spider gwen if silk were in my life i'd just be making little sassy comebacks and quips to her all the time about how she's screwing everything up at this point it's hard for me to argue it's kind of one of those things i i understand why she did it i i think i said something uh, last episode about what Peter did in Spider-Man when he was in the Ultimate Universe. Um, so I, I can see the appeal, and I kind of understand why Cindy did it. But you know, at the same time, in places it can feel overwrought. And I, I do like the fact that her kind of—it wasn't even really an argument with her mother. Um, it was mostly her mother kind of just yelling at her for not being there, and. You know, she just kind of apologizes for it because she, of course, doesn't know what's going on here and has to kind of figure things out on her own. But I mean, you know, it kind of, to me, um, it called back to in the previous run of Silk where, you know, there'll be flashbacks of her having conflicts with her mother, like as a teenager, because, you know, she's she's a teenage girl and feels her mom is trying to control her and everything. And so she's not afraid to get back in her face. And here, you know, it's like, uh, well, you've you've been gone for three years. I'm upset. There's like a real kind of genuine tension right there. And she just kind of has to process all of that right then and there and then sort of be like, I'm 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 sorry. I, I didn't realize it had been that long. I think the issue for me is that Silk's been around for a little over a year now. And every time, and I, it might be just because I don't read the solo series that she does, but every time I've encountered her, she's either trying to find her family or running off and doing something she shouldn't be doing. No, I'd say you're right. <laughs> so just I, I, the same cycle. I, I, I would I would say that uh, I, I mean that's that's fairly accurate. I would say that um, that that's also part of the theme of of Silk at this point is that she's she's got this family mystery going on, which I'll admit has been going on for a while and is you know getting a little again. Um, oh, what's a good word? It, it's just getting a little repetitious in places. Um, but, uh, also, you know, it's kind of her learning the ropes of being a superhero, which I think is really good that she's, 
at least occasionally being mentored by Spider Woman and Mockingbird and, and all of that, because clearly she needs to learn the ropes. <laughs> I will say that as someone who hasn't been reading this book, um, I know the basic idea. And yeah, I share the same kind of fatigue and like, all right, you know, enough with this already. Um, I still think it was a really powerful moment um, and a lot of effective storytelling in just the art itself. The closing of that scene after Cindy and her mom have that exchange and then Albert comes home to kind of inadvertently diffuse the situation. They walk out together and there's, you know, she's walking down the stairs and you can see her parents in the window Yeah, and her dad is comforting her mom. And that that just speaks volumes. So if you're not following the series, it really is like a capsule summary of one of the central dramatic beats is for the character in the title. And then that hug she gives to Albert at the end where there's no dialogue. That was yeah. like a beautiful way to end the scene. So it's like, all right, if I didn't know what the character was about, this really told me everything I needed to know. But the flip side is like, if I do know what the character is about, like, oh, all right, you know, what do you expect to gain out of this? from your alternate family, like how much of a connection are you actually going to make? So it, I kind of feel for the the creative team here because it's kind of like, well, you can't really win. <laughs> so I, I think it, it was the right beat and it didn't, it wasn't overplayed. It was basically two pages, right? Two, three pages. So. Uh, yeah, I think it was about, I think it was about three or four pages. Oh, okay. So, I mean, but it wasn't, it certainly didn't take over the book. And once she, it's almost like a checklist item, like, all right, boom, now back to the investigation. Right, right. And, and, uh, and yeah, on, on that note, I mean, r- right around here is where, like, f- from the moment she enters her family's house, um, th- the artwork here is really good. I, I, I actually really like it. I feel like, um, you know, expressiveness, consistency, um, you know, her, her mom just looks perpetually miffed, <laughs> you know, um, her dad is clearly trying to play the, uh, you know, the, the, the mediator, the mediating force and everything. And Cindy is just trying to be like, uh, what the heck have I done? You know, it, 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 it works. And, and yeah, Albert's immersion, uh, emergence onto the scene at the last page was also really good. I, I wish we had a stronger sense of who Albert was in, uh, the prime reality so that we could do a better comparison here, but he, you know, he's clearly not, doesn't look like he's been part of goblin nation in this reality, you know, (laughs) Jolly, what's your take on the art? I enjoyed the art. I'm not as familiar with the rotating um, artists on silks lineup, I guess, but uh, I thought the art was great. Um, whenever you can do one of those silent panels, like you were saying, when Albert and Silk are hugging and you can feel the emotion and you get what the artist is trying to do, I think that's a win. And it's a little bit more – it's less dynamic than um, the art that we saw in Spider-Gwen, but it's definitely a step up from what we saw in Alpha. I'm inclined to agree. I think what stood out to me for this issue is actually the color scheme. It's uh, Ian Herring doing the colors. And so when you're going between titles and, you know, you've got a big event, you're trying to coordinate, you're switching different artists and different books. I like the fact that the art style has been shifting and Alpha was a rough start, but then we're settling into this rhythm. And what I noticed about the colors, there are a lot of like blues and greens and purples. It's almost like a cooler color scheme and slightly washed out in a way. So it was an interesting, almost 
cold mood for a lot of the book, which was strange for such a warm character. But um, yeah, it, it took a little bit of getting used to. And I did like the art. Some of the expressions were a little like, off for me like i think Mm -hmm. the first page where she's running and she's kind of got this like scared face it's a little distorted is not the word i I want but it just looked a little off and then when she's at home and she's looking at um the stack of uh, invitations for albert's party that was kind of an odd inadvertently creepy expression but for the most part um like staring into the mirror like a really thoughtful expression to match the kind of internal monologue she's she's running through she's processing this whole thing I thought it worked really well overall, and it was yeah, and, and it, it stays fairly consistent um, throughout the issue, um, especially like when she's in her counterpart's you know headquarters and trying to you know seeing seeing who she is in this reality, and you know like again we have a lot of moments where it's just her, and you know the the camera is fairly close up on her so to speak, and and that works. And there's like a brief two pages where, you know, uh, they, they touch base with Gwen and Jess. And I'm, uh, for me at least, there's a notable, there's a noticeable dip in quality. And I, I don't really fault Ford for it because she doesn't draw these characters regularly, you know, but I, I did kind of notice there was a, there was, there was a little dip there and then you go back and for the most part, it, it stays consistent. I like the way that Octavius looks actually. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would agree. Actually, I like that scene, check-in scene with uh, Gwen and Jess. The color scheme actually got warmer, so it, it, yes, helped, it did. helped the scene kind of pop out. And it reminded me, I thought for me, it played off really well coming from the previous book with Bengal on art, where it was, I would describe it as, as like slightly cartoonier. Um, and I like that because it was more of a fun vibe in this event, as we're seeing is, is kind of, as we've been saying, is kind of lighter in tone compared to the, you know, epic end of the world. This is just, this is a conundrum they're trying to solve. And so there's, <laughs> there's a playfulness to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I liked it and I thought it really came to life for me with, you know, when I got to see the other characters and how she rendered them. Right. No, I, I, I agree with you. I actually have a question. Um, what did you guys think? of the final moments of this issue, because I kind of eye rolled. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Okay. Wait, why, why is that? Uh, The design for Octavius's Dr. Octopus was just, it emerges with a, with another octopus or with an octopus, you know, I, I don't know the, the design just felt kind of weird and, off to me um i mean i'll give it a shot and everything but i was just kind of like really you know and um it's it's an interesting look and everything but it's just like i you know and then i guess the other issue that i have with it is that he is basically in one panel like the panel before the last page um the octopus is starting to meld with him so to speak and then on the next page, the, the final splash page, he's already got Cindy all, you know, captured. Right. And I just kind of felt like that should have played out a little more. Maybe that's just me, though. If that played out, what would have happened was Cindy would have run up to Doc Ock thinking she could handle it on her own. 
And then he would have grabbed her. And it would have just been the same thing we always see. <laughs> see? So Jolly just saved you a dollar in extending the, the number of pages in the <laughs> I kind of loved it though. The yeah, Doc Ock is so ridiculous that I thought it was fabulous. Like Doc Ock is has become this character that people take so seriously, especially after Superior. And I love that it's just it's so dumb that it's great. It's <laughs> Like, it's so ridiculous. That's so, like, old school villain. Um, what am I going to do? I look, you know, like an idiot, but I'm a bad guy. Like, I just really liked it. I also like the idea of going for, like, an organic Dr. Octopus instead of the mechanical arms actually having an octopus. Like, that was, a, that was interesting. And, yeah, the, that final splash page, so trippy with the concentric squares behind him and, you know, the, the way the colors are kind of flaring. Yeah, it's it's a really odd interesting looking image it just really threw me i was just like <laughs> oh, oh okay all, all right this 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 is uh, i guess latour's iteration of of doc ock but then overall i mean that that's pretty much the issue so you know i don't know if it was me it felt kind of brief it flew by for me i, I don't know if you got the same vibe from the pacing of it uh, i mean i didn't it it, it felt you know um it felt like it had the very distinctive parts, you know, Cindy's family drama in Earth 65 and then trying to figure out who she is and the check-in with Jess and Gwen and then the confrontation with Octavius at the end. It worked okay for me, but maybe maybe I just maybe I just don't notice such things. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to admit that. I thought it was a bit brief um and it read fast, but I think what the writers are trying to do is really make these issues so that if you're not following the other parts of the story, you can come in and read about Silk and you don't have to worry about and get the gist of the event and not worry about everything else that's going on. And I think that might be why both this and Spider-Woman feel a bit brief. I mean, I actually really like that they're doing that, though. Um, I, I like that the smaller scale crossover event kind of allows for each of the characters to be focused on in their own titles where we still kind of get a check-in with the others, but like, it's still kind of like, you know, this, this is, you know, this is Robbie Thompson's title. And then, you know, spider woman goes to, uh, Dennis hopeless, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, like they're kind of still just working with their characters. I, I actually really like that. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't exclude the others. It kind of allows them to incorporate them in a little bit. But, you know, um, you can still continue your own character's development while still serving the larger story. I definitely have to commend the writing team because, as I'd mentioned, like when the art switches, that's that can be sometimes challenging to, to follow the thread of the book. Um, but the tone and the dialogue and all of that has been solid and consistent the whole way through. So it feels right. So if you're telling me that the writers are switching, I didn't necessarily notice that. If their names weren't on the cover, it's reading just fine to me. It's definitely made for me this series a lot. Just, it doesn't feel like a chore. You know what I'm saying? Like some, some events, they are a chore to keep up with and everything. This one really doesn't feel that way. You know, I'm, I'm actually enjoying each installment pretty, pretty well so far. But I think that was a good point um, about if you're not following the whole event, just following your series, that it's still accessible. And 
I don't know if it's just me, but it doesn't seem like this is getting a huge push from, from the offices over there. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I don't think it is. And I always wonder if it has something to do with the numbers because, you know, I know Spider Woman's not doing as well. I know Silk isn't doing as well. I think Sp- Spider Gwen's still doing pretty well, but maybe they've just given up and they're like, well, if you read it, read it. If not, whatever. We're not going to market it. We're not going to put a lot of money into it because maybe we don't believe in these characters as much as putting a ton they, of money behind yeah, the too. <laughs> At least in Silk's case, I'm sorry. Um, when she first came out, she had a huge editorial push behind her, you know, and then they got her away from Dan Slott and now doesn't seem, doesn't seem to be as hot anymore to them. Yeah, which is a shame, I think, because as I'm finding out in the series and starting to read these other characters a little bit, I, I'm very interested in, in reading more. So we'll see, but hopefully they get some kind of a boost. But that said, um, if we were to summarize this book, you know, in three words, what would your reaction be? Soak totally sucks. <laughs> okay, so much for what I just said. And like, oh, my God. The, 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 <laughs> Jale, tell me what you really think. Yeah. You know, don't don't hide behind, you know, innuendo and <laughs> just come um, out and say it. I'll try. I'll, I'll work <laughs> on it for the next issue. Okay. <laughs> my real feelings. Um, three words, huh? Um, trippy, melodramatic, and well-illustrated. I know that's two words, but there it is. <laughs> All right. And I came up with calm before storm. <laughs> question mark at the end of it because most of it was her just kind of investigating and checking in and then all of the stuff seemed to happen at the end it's like oh, okay here we go so shall we move on to spider woman number six absolutely okay shally what's going on in this issue uh okay we start off with Jessica coming up to a big McMansion in order to confront her Earth-65 counterpart. Instead of finding Jessica Drew, she finds Jesse Drew's wife, and after a little bit of a Kill Bill montage, we see Jessica leave the home with all of Jesse's arsenal of guns and touching base with the other two women in this event. And we end it with them getting back to Earth-65, courtesy of teenage Reed Richards. I've got to say, I, I actually really enjoyed this issue. Um, uh, Jolly, you said that uh, you said that Spider Woman isn't doing uh, very well. And if if this issue, if the other issues are anywhere near as good as this issue, then people really are missing out. This is this is actually um, I mean, the, the writing in this issue was great. Yeah, Dennis Hopeless really gets Jessica Drew, and his writing has only gotten better the longer that he's worked with her. Uh, I, it's honestly one of my favorite Marvel books that's coming out right now, despite the poor sales numbers. That 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 really is that really is sad. I was excited about this issue just from the names on the cover when I saw that Joelle Jones was doing the art and Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, I knew Rochelle Rosenberg's uh, coloring work from Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which I loved. And then Joelle Jones, um, who does this great book for Dark Horse called Lady Killer. Yes, I love Lady Killer. Oh, my gosh. I, her work is phenomenal. And she did 
uh, an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter's run back in the day. It was the 150th uh, issue. She did a story there. And I love her style. And it just, from the first page, it just really just popped. Um, And the characters just, the faces are beautiful and distinct looking. And the colors are really just warm and inviting. And it just sets the scene perfectly for this crazy encounter that she's about to have. But that was engaging. And then the rhythm of the the dialogue and the pacing of it. Yeah, it was, I I liked the book right away. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to be reading more of this. I've really loved all of uh, Joelle's stuff. I mean, I started picking up Lady Killer. Loved that. Um, I met her at New York Comic Con Special Edition. I did too. And she was so great too. So when you meet an artist too and they're so nice, that really makes you want to support them even more. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to share it with you. She did a cool uh, commission for me at that show. Oh, cool. Uh, for, she did Madman. Madman or Mad Men? Well, it was, she actually combined it. She, it was Madman, the Mike Allred character and his okay. girlfriend, Joe. And then she just got inspired by Mad Men and did kind of the, like the sixties retro. It's just amazing looking. And she just went above and beyond on it and such a nice person to chat with. And then when I saw it, I was like, my jaw hit the ground. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to pretty much support whatever you do going yep. forward. So. Exactly. I definitely, definitely love the art in this issue. Yeah, it's an interesting shift in tone. We were talking about like the previous issues. I, I was saying I felt they were slightly more cartoony and this is more realistic. Um, and it's, yes. it still worked. It still worked really well. And we were talking about how Jess seems to be the lead character for this event so far. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really appropriate that she got, I don't say this to undermine the others in any way, but like the most serious kind of looking approach. Yeah, well, I know um, in my articles on Superior Spider Talk, I always rave about Javier Rodriguez. And as much as I love Joel Jones, I was like, well, I don't know how it's going to work because I've gotten so used to his style. He has... He does a lot of movement, a lot mm-hmm. of dynamic style. Um, when he does the coloring, it's super saturated. Uh, but I think it really worked for this issue to bring in Joelle because she has her own distinctive style, but it's still really spot on. She does great faces. Um, she can do movement pretty well as well. Jolly, you mentioned the Kill Bill homage. <laughs> was that okay, a good, was that a good admit, thing or a bad thing? Have to admit, I have never seen Kill Bill. Oh. So. Just called it a Kill Bill homage because literally everyone else in the universe is calling it a Kill Bill homage. How about you, Tony? Oh, when I saw it, I I was just like, are they doing Kill Bill here? <laughs> you know, like with, with the, they start fighting and then the kids come in and they're all nice <laughs> to each other in front of them. And it, like, I was just like, oh my God, are they going to pull out swords and, and, you know, duel to the death in the next scene. Right. Even, even the uh, sweatshirt the mom is wearing was very reminiscent yeah. of, um, of the character in the movie. Yeah. I don't feel bad, Jolly. Like, I, I'm just feeling my age because this conversation had come up with Kyle last year sometime. Kill Bill came up. I was like, what's that? I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, yeah. Those conversations don't really phase me. I'm, I'm always like, watch, <laughs> go watch some TV. <laughs> That's right. Go watch Back to the Future, you know? <laughs> okay, I do like Back to the Future. I may not have been born while Back to the Future was coming out, but I like Back to the Future. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> feeling older and older. <laughs> <laughs> this issue had a surprise curveball for me in that it delivered the resolution to the silk cliffhanger after all that buildup. God. <laughs> like, yep, we're done in one spread. Don't get me started on that. I was like, Seriously? 
I do want to get you started on it. Tell me about it. Um, I, I mean, it was just like, um, hey, here's Octavius, and he's got this, you know, psionic octopus that he's working with. And hey, uh, Cindy is captured in the last page of, of that, uh, you know, of that issue. And then, oh, hey, look, um, Gwen's already there and helping her out, and they're already free, and nothing, you know, nothing happened. Uh, it, it took 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, there, there was no progression on that scene whatsoever. And I was just kind of really like, really, this this just felt like a, a, a rookie mistake moment. And I, I, I guess I guess that's one example of where I, I'm feeling um, a distinctiveness between uh, issues and, and writers. You know, I, I, I think this may be one instance where something wasn't communicated to the other team or whatever. And, and someone somewhere dropped the ball, but you know, um, yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't care much for that, but I, you know, the rest of this issue though was just so darn good that I, I you know, I kind of was like, okay, all right, let's just, let's just keep going. So I did love that line though, where Gwen, um, Silk saying, oh, I thought you wanted to go in the same direction as me. And Gwen says, we can swing from buildings and you chose the down button. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was just great. I'm definitely not saying that Cindy is perfect. So... (laughs) Again, I think it goes to that, what we were saying earlier, Pat. Like, if you're just following your book, then if you're reading Spider-Woman, why are you invested in what's happening with Silk in some secret lab somewhere. So yeah, it's almost like, let's just get her out of this and get on with it. So I'm curious to see what happens in Silk number eight, uh, you know, if and like how that's addressed or, or not addressed, if that's just a recap page kind of deal. I'm interested to see what direction the rest of the event takes, because despite the Kill Bill scenes at the beginning of this, I think as a whole, it's been very light on the action. It's a lot more character-driven, especially, in, you know, this issue, a lot of character-driven moments. Less fighting. I mean, you have the super adaptoid, you see Doc Ock, but you don't get these gigantic battle scenes that one us- usually associates with a big event. Yeah, that's a good point. It's almost like every action sequence is a token action sequence. Like even rescuing Reed at the playground, like, bad guys, ah, done. Personally, I'm... I'm fine with that. I <laughs> I know that people use the uh, the term event fatigue a lot with with comics and everything, but I mean honestly, after stuff like uh, A versus X and uh, Spider Verse and, and stuff like that, I'm I, I'm actually pretty good with these stories that actually do focus on on you know on the characters and maybe some of the action does get sacrificed. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that as long as, as long as the writing is, is good and the characters are still um, intriguing. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it myself. Especially because this book is funny. I was laughing out yes. loud quite a bit. <laughs> That's how every issue is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopeless gets it. Cause Jess is really sarcastic and quippy and he her whole team in the regular spider-woman books they're all the same way so it's a lot of funny moments that happen in there i do have one question though mm-hmm. was okay i couldn't tell if i was reading this wrong but were reed richards and silk like flirting a little bit or was that just me like it seemed like i don't know like there was a tension there 
Um, just me. I don't know. I just read it as like annoyed kid. You were saying like it was on his part flirting with her or mutual? Couldn't really tell. Like I just read it and I was like, this reads so maybe because he wasn't acting that way with Gwen and Jess. Mm. I mean, Jess just kind of got it because Jess knows what Reed Richards is. Um, But Gwen wasn't acting that way. Like he wasn't reacting that way to Gwen too. Maybe he's like you and just like Cindy sucks and just whatever she says. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are making her a whipping girl. <laughs> uh, but no, I, w- I was laughing. You know, uh, there was everything from the breast milk to Jess doing the psych out thing in the portal. Like, ah, oh, and a great was- panel. And then it was like at the end of the page, like, what? And then you're like, and her face just pops like, no, we're good. That was great, too. <laughs> Yeah, and that moment when she tells them when they're fighting back and forth and it basically is like, I'm going to tell mom. No, I'm going to tell mom. And <laughs> yeah. she's just like, is this going to help anything if you tell me? I was really taken with the ending of this book because it was so quiet. And it was just like, it didn't really feel like a cliffhanger per se, especially when you have the beginning of the book open with this action sequence, you know, an homage, but an action sequence nonetheless. And then she's just in the cab going home, like, I'm coming home. Yeah, but next issue, her baby's totally going to not be at home. Uh, you, do you think? <laughs> I, I don't think that baby's going to be there. That's my fear at this point is that they, they, gave us, they gave us this quiet moment to really kind of, you know, kind of jolt you um, with, the, with the next installment or the, the next development. Maybe I have less faith in, in modern writing than I, than I, uh, than I should. But I just feel like that's too tempting. That's too low-hanging a fruit for them not to want to, to do. Yeah, if they take the baby, they can do a taken homage next. <laughs> a very <laughs> special set of skills. <laughs> just Yeah, now, I, now I'm just imagining Jessica, I will find you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, so far it's it's a very, I mean, from this side it seems like a very thoughtful approach to the writing like that's the first month we're at the midpoint so it's like the earth 65 portion of the story is done now we're going to focus on what damage has been done in this side so it's a good break it's a good rhythm or flow for the story i found so yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it maybe it, we'll get to keep earth 65 uh silk in 616 and get rid of 616 silk oh my gosh you like okay <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, I'm scared to ask for three words now, shall I? <laughs> I really like Spider Woman. Ask for another three words about Silk. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you like my three words for Spider Woman? Please. I'll do character driven fun. Uh, I'm going to call this book as smart, funny, and beautiful. This was just visually, this was a stunning. Stunning book. And I, I realize they're guest artists, um, but it really, it was a good way to, to close this first part of the event. I guess for me, uh, it's um, humorous, colorful, and uh, you use the word smart. I'm, I'm, I'm going to back that. So smart. <laughs> okay. Well, that's our take on the books, but we'd love to hear from you. So you can join in the conversation as well. Find us over at ultimatespinpodcast.com. Click on the talk to us button, drop us a line. And you can find us on Twitter as well at The Ultimate Spin and our Facebook page at Ultimate Spin Podcast. So I want to say thanks again to Tony and Jolly for joining us. Where can we find you guys online? I do a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast uh, called the, the Nowhere Fancast. 
Um, we've got a bit of a recording backlog at the moment, so I'm still uploading a lot of older episodes. Uh, but you can find us at uh, Nowhere Fancast, Nowhere with a K, dot uh, com. Other than that, I'm on Twitter as uh, Tony W. Goodwin. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as PB and Jale, where you can follow me if you like a gazillion photos of food. <laughs> and if you're more comic inclined, you can find all my articles on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Oh, mine too. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> and, uh, and mine as well. Uh, before we go, I also want to give a quick shout out to Chris Postal at Sounds Like an Earful for providing our Gwen theme music. You can find all kinds of music and his podcast of the same name at soundslikeanearful.com. So that's it for this week, but our coverage will continue. We'll be back soon with Radioactive Spider-Gwen number eight. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you soon on The Ultimate Spin.